0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. My name is Mitch Michaels and thank you for listening as always to the sports podcast where we have quite a bit to talk about the world of football, some hockey news and notes as well. Brennan Smith joins the show first to talk about college football rivalry week, which saw, unfortunately, the Michigan Wolverines knock off the Ohio State Buckeyes with an emphatic win there. LSU goes out to Texas A&M, we saw Clemson lose, USC beats Notre Dame, TCU undefeated. Lots of breakdown, we talk about the coaching carousel, Luke Fickle, Wisconsin, Hugh Freeze back in the SEC, and we preview conference championship Saturday, the weekend really, it starts on Friday with USC and Utah. Lots to discuss in the college football world, Brennan Smith, and then Joe Crisali joins the show to talk about the NFL, his Broncos season from hell. A lot, of, a lot of discussion there on the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets with Mike White, what to make of the Browns beating the Bucks? the Niners rising, how do we like the Eagles and the Cowboys, and then some hockey talk as well. Quarter of the way through the NHL season, a lot of thoughts, got to revisit some predictions. Joe coming back on the show to do just that. It's Brendan Smith and Joe Grasali on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right now joining the show to talk college football, Brennan Smith back again. Uh, Brennan, we uh, we meet at somber terms, right, Tone, because looking at where we are now, Rivalry Week, which is always amazing, uh, is in the rear view. It was incredible, but not as much football left. So here to uh, finish strong. Thanks for coming on the show and a lot to get to.
1: Well, thank you, man. Uh, always love it because these are some great matchups, but it also means we're getting closer to the college football winter and that's a bummer, so we'll
0: take the good and the bad. Uh, we, we certainly will. Uh, I mean, I'll start with looking at rivalry week, and I'll wear this one. Um, Michigan embarrassed Ohio State. They just thoroughly dominated them in the second half, One at the horseshoe. Big win for Jim Harbaugh and his squad, uh, and how they did it was the more shocking thing than ever. I think, you know, on the surface, looking at this matchup in the rivalry game, the first half being as exciting as it was, there were scenarios where Michigan, as a 7-8 point underdog through Vegas, was going to win this game. I just don't think a lot of people saw it with the big plays, with the passing attack, with the fact that McCarthy played so well with his arm, which we hadn't seen before. But uh, give credit to the Wolverines. They uh, they came up with a huge road win, and, and here they are as the number two team in the country.
1: I think that's you Nailed it, man. Uh, not much more needs to be said. I mean, he just kind of picked apart that Ohio State secondary. And, and you're not used to that with Michigan teams. It's it's tough defenses. It's a good run game. And despite Harbaugh being a very successful quarterback himself, that's that's kind of been the Achilles heel of that Michigan team is finding a quarterback that can do it on the highest level, on the biggest stage, especially when you're in a rivalry game against one of the top five teams in the country. And, and they put it together and did it. And. Yeah. I think it's fascinating because Michigan's calling card, at least since Harbaugh got back, is is they've struggled in those bigger Big Ten matchups and getting over the hump and kind of being the the alpha dog in that conference at the end of the year. And, man, they did it. They, They made a statement and obviously have the inside track to whatever the playoffs are going to look like.
0: Yeah, props, props to them for sure. Edwards running for 200-plus yards, uh, filling in for Quorum, who wasn't able to do much of anything with his knee injury. Uh, for the Ohio State side, there's frustration abound. Uh, one of the things I, I do want to point out is defensively how the game plan, I think it was a pretty straightforward game plan, and, and I'm not going to pretend I know more than coaches, uh, but my critique of this, Brennan, being that you, know, you wanted to force them to throw because they hadn't proven that they can do it, but once they did, they didn't make any adjustments, and it just kept happening. So that was my critique there. The uh, The Ryan Day big game argument is coming back up, and I think on his side, forget certain play calls and, and whatnot. This team just didn't seem prepared, and they were a little reckless out there taking unnecessary penalties, some false starts in there that halted drives. So I didn't like the preparation. Also didn't like the adjustment when Michigan did prove that they could pass the football.
1: Exactly, and that's – uh... Ohio State is not wanted for wins. It's not wanted for uh, playoff appearances in the playoff era. But that, that's kind of the last uh, horizon to get over uh, for this program. And coming out exactly as you said, with you expect Michigan to run it down your throat. You expect mm-hmm. Michigan to play tight defense. You expect the Ohio State offense to be able to win when it comes down to a shootout with the town they have a quarterback and the town they have a receiver. And it, it just was kind of shocking to see that they didn't have a plan B. They didn't have another, uh, card in the hand to deal. And then, you know, Michigan credit to them. I, I think it's more, it says more about Michigan to me than it does about Ohio State, especially at a coaching level with how well Harbaugh coached that game. But, you know, questions abound. And, and when you're yeah. at the top end of the sport like that, that's, you're not measured by uh, getting to the end and getting to your rivalry game or getting to the Big Ten title game. It's When you're Ohio State, you're thinking about yep. being in the Final Four and, and trying to win a national title, and they, they got exposed a little bit in that game.
0: Certainly did. Michigan waiting it out, not bowing to the pressure of uh, you know what's wrong with the, with Harbaugh. They, they keep it there. He's now won two in a row. So looking at the rest of the landscape, Georgia kind of slept, walked through Georgia Tech early, pulled away late michigan supplants ohio state is the number two team in the country uh tcu want to give them a shout out brennan 12 and 0 Uh, they destroyed iowa state 62 to 14 iowa state finishing a very pedestrian year at four and eight in the big 12 but tcu going 12 and 0 and finally winning a game with uh with some comfort for a change but what Sonny dykes has done in his first year it was overshadowed earlier i don't think it is anymore
1: no and and the way that they've gone about getting to that record, I, I think is still a little bit underrated. Like, I don't know how you underrate a 12 and 0 team, but you look around and the conversation and the oxygen is going to Georgia. It's, uh, at least on this coast, it's USC. Um, it's, it's talking about the Ohio State and Michigan, but CPU is, is quietly, mm-hmm. um, in the, in the last era of the, we expect Texas and Oklahoma to, sort of own the big 12 they came in and, and dominated everybody from front to back and i, I think that obviously they're in a, another driving seat for a playoff spot and it's going to be fascinating to see where they're at if we get to that final four and how much that sets in the big 12 which is I mean, largely considered a step below the big 10 and the sec where that falls in and, and how they compete um when we get into the
0: postseason something interesting happened in the month of november tcu went from the team that was taking everybody by surprise to having the target on their back and it was those wins over texas tech over texas on the road over baylor on the road with the walk-off field goal at the buzzer that's when they really proved okay there's there's more than just you know some sizzle in this so they actually got up for big games and as the favorite handled business so and, pro- and props to them. I mean, the, the playoff picture was fascinating this week because the other domino was LSU losing to Texas A&M, a game result that not a lot of people saw coming with A&M winning by 15 points in a terrible year for them. They almost beat Alabama and then they fish- effectively end LSU's playoff hopes. I know they're going to the SEC title game, but the A&M win was probably the one out of left field the most this past Saturday.
2: It was a
1: shocker. And, and- Speaking obviously from the ASU perspective, when Jaden Daniels went to LSU and and Brian Kelly and the way that offense had operated all season long, and then he has a couple of mistakes in that game, and and A and M, I mean, that's obviously their Super Bowl. They haven't uh, had the season that they want under Jimbo, uh, but they rose to the occasion and and they they played uh, a perfect game against an LSU team that was the hottest. One of the hottest teams coming down the stretch of the season. It was, yeah. I mean, I, it's sometimes it's more fun to play spoiler, I guess, <laughs> yeah. and uh, they played the role. So,
0: yeah, AM And having a year where they lost to Appy State. They've had some pretty, you know, outrageous <laughs> losses on the year, but they uh, they get it done against LSU in a weird nine and three year for LSU and Brian Kelly's first campaign. Uh, the Pac twelve title game is set, and I want to mention this in, in its entirety. USC beating Notre Dame was big. Notre Dame was coming in ready to try to play spoiler a lot like AM did. USC was ready from the get-go. They win 38-27, to some big plays, some crucial defensive, defensive plays as well. Jones filling in uh, for Diet running back was huge, but this was Caleb Williams. And I don't want to say he's got the Heisman locked up, Brennan, but he's in the driver's seat heading into the Pac-12 title game. He's been ridiculously good, and he's elevated this team around him.
1: Just speaking as the, on the Pac-12 as a whole, it's it's amazing how the dominoes fell for Utah to get another shot at USC, and, and that's <laughs> oh, yes. become kind of, <laughs> like, yeah. between Oregon uh, kind of blowing it against Oregon State and, and Washington. And Washington State, they needed uh, several to fall to get back and get another shot at USC, but that's sneakily been kind of the best uh, rivalry in the Pac-12, especially the Pac-12 South, but almost in the Pac-12 for the last few years, is... Utah consistently punching above its weight against a USC team, but it's going to be fascinating to see after they had a thriller earlier in the season that, that went down to the wire, um, what kind of adjustments Kyle Whittingham's going to make. But I also think that Caleb Williams is a better quarterback somehow uh, now than he was earlier in the season, and his escapability and the way he extends plays and keeps his eyes downfield and and just it's such a hard guy to bring down. It's going to be a great matchup to watch. Uh, Utah's defensive front, and they got some talent in the secondary to see how they match up with a die less USC. Mm-hmm. But you said it, man. I mean, Caleb Williams, you'd think you'd fall off when you lost your, your backfield mate who's had a lot of experience in this conference, he's had a lot of experience in general in college football, but it nothing changed. He, he elevated his game and, and turned this offense into found another gear for the passing game when, and the rushing game is still playing really well, but you know, you lose somebody like that. You think the offensive pick set back over bit. he's answered every question.
0: Yeah. You'll have to explain to me these PAC 12 tiebreakers. Cause I was a little confused as well. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you tell getting back into it. The first thing was the civil war is always an amazing atmosphere an amazing game. One of the more underrated ones, at least, you know, on the Midwest, East, Eastern coast part of the country. I'm glad that it right. got, its got the feature slot in that time frame and Oregon State coming back after Oregon didn't kind of They blew that game. I mean, they they 100% blew it, and they had it in the palm of their hands. But, you know, Washington wins the Apple Cup. It's not good enough to get them into this game. Utah and USC, which we'll preview in a second, but that is a heck of a matchup. seems like they're always playing some classic games. But, yeah, SC, Lincoln Riley, year one, goes 11-1, and has the fast track, one win away from the playoff, is pretty remarkable stuff. Uh, to say the least. And uh, the other one, the other upset that I think the conference was pretty much out of it, but Clemson going at, losing at home to South Carolina. South Carolina finishing the year 8-4. and 8-4, and four, not, a, not, not the most outrageous record, but they do it by basically dashing two teams' as playoff hopes in Tennessee and Clemson. And uh, Spencer Rattler playing like a top-five quarterback for a large portions of these games, too. What an interesting year for Shane Beamer, but maybe something they could build on going forward.
1: And you, we talked about A&M, but yeah, all due respect and, and props to this South Carolina team, the Gamecocks came alive at the right time. And you mentioned it, I, I, I mean, there's there's so much difficulty in this conference of asserting yourself when it's so top-heavy. And obviously the, the quote-unquote rivalry between Clemson and South Carolina has taken a little bit of a some of the shine's taken off of that because they're not uh, playing each other all the time, but it's, it's still great that we get these games and South Carolina. I mean, you know, watch out uh, moving forward with how much offensive success they had and let's see if they can crack that next uh, level of this conference. That's, that's so challenging year in and year out, but they got the building blocks and what a way to close the year to some, one of the, I mean, playoff conversation games uh, and also you're, cross-town non-conference rival.
0: Yeah, it just seems like Clemson. I don't. I mean, obviously, many teams would take ten and two, but the way the, the conference is trending, unless they're non-conference, you know, and then it's pretty much set in stone for a while. Unless they notch some big non-conference wins and things change, the ACC seems like they're going to be, you know, obviously until we expand this playoff. But they're they're a distant fifth in the Power Five, and a lot of that is that Clemson is good but not great like they were.
1: And that's, that's the reality of college football right now, man. And, and USC is, is kind of facing the same PR battle. Uh, if you don't play them in Los Angeles or uh, on the West Coast, is the ACC and Pac-12, I mean, we've, we've talked about it ad nauseum uh, all the time around college football. It's how do you continue making noise in the playoff era? And can you afford more than a lot every single season and it's bearing out the answer is no and that that's I think it's worse for college football it obviously makes the conversation around the SEC and the Big Ten more exciting especially with the additions that they're going to have in the next couple of years but it's tough man if you if you're Clemson if you're USC if you're Oregon if you're Washington if you're Florida State on a good year you're you're you have an uphill battle no matter what uh, to try to to be there at the end of the season and, and be in that conversation
0: Florida state was one. I mean, they beat LSU. That win looked a lot better. Uh, finishes strong with the win over Florida and we'll see, but yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, and also want to end it on this, that the, the sad part of it is we had three top 15 AP preseason teams that didn't make a bowl game. A and M Miami, Michigan state. So there you go. What do we really know at the beginning of this?
1: Yeah, (laughs) a lot changes, man. I'm just, I'm waiting for anybody to wake up. Miami. I, that, just mm. totally out of left field, I, I, it's baffling to me every year that the resources that that school has in terms of the recruiting ground. And, and I know you're, you're playing catch-up like everybody else in the SEC and the, and the players that end up in Florida or beyond, but it just, it just makes no sense to me, man, continually, that they uh, don't punch above what mm-hmm. they're doing right now and they can't recapture some of that magic of those uh, 90s and 2000s
0: I mean, I don't want to go back into the well of, you know, obviously I'm not in the know, but I think it does a lot come back to the, the take that, you know, Kirk Herbstreit had on game day where I don't know how, how much the, the new, you know, administration, organization, whatever you want to say, I don't know how much they're committed to this because I don't think the vision's shared, and I think that's what you need, especially with how big business college football is. I just think it's, it's not quite there. But, I mean, they got destroyed in their last four games. I mean, they didn't have a game closer than 21 points in the month of November. So... Let's just, you know, call it what it is. Uh, Brendan Smith here on the Money Mitch Effect. Before we get to to, uh, conference championship uh, weekend and previewing that, a couple other things to look at, and one being this playoff picture. As it stands now, I mean, I don't want to say it's void of drama, but if USC wins on Friday night, I think it's kind of void of drama. Like, I I think Georgia and Michigan are in regardless of what happens in their conference championship games, and I kind of feel like TCU might be in that same boat. Would you agree, or do you see – more chaos coming into the mix here.
1: I gotta agree with you, man. I I think that, uh, it's like, not to go back to Thanksgiving puns, but it's like the appetizers of the last bit of the regular season ruined the turkey. You know, yeah. like <laughs> when we get to conference championship weekend, there's still some drama, and, and I, but this year it kind of took care of itself in the in the last part of the season with all these rivalry games that shook out the way that they did. And I don't think you can really look beyond Michigan for sure, uh, Georgia for sure. And then TCU, uh, you can't leave out, even if if something goes awry, uh, you, you can't really leave out a one-loss team that, that's rolled like that all year. Mm. USC has the most to lose, I think, because Utah will play them tough. And Utah continually has a good matchup with USC. But most of the magic with Utah is uh, cold nights at, at Rice-Eccles. Right yeah and that's not to sort of change them uh, I think they'll still play u s c really tight but the the home atmosphere that they have in Salt Lake City uh on a cooler night uh, yeah. against a team from l a versus a neutral site in vegas where there's it's driving distance for both both fan bases um, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be neutralized a little bit, and then it's just a question of if Caleb Williams goes off or not. Yeah,
0: man, it's crazy because I think a two-loss conference champion in the Pac-12 would have maybe a chance. I think USC needs this win because they got to obviously get the conference title. It's just so crazy that it ended up being Utah, which has the three Oregon. If Oregon was in this game, even with the extra loss, I think they'd still have a chance, same if Washington would have gotten in. But, alas, here we are. Then it'll just be resume comparing season. It's funny, we've already got to the point where Nick Saban's politicking for Alabama to get in, but... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the right answer is. Ohio State, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but they got shellacked. I don't know that they necessarily deserve it. They're sitting in the the five spot. Tennessee beat Bama. How is it, you know, that they're behind them? But, you know, are we saying a better, a win is better, or is it a, what your loss is? Like, that's where we get to just the committee is probably going to pick who they think is the fourth best team just using the eyeball test.
1: Right. And that's, I mean, that's forever the uh, – God bless 2007 LSU that uh, made it in mm. to the DCS title game with two <laughs> losses, but mm. that's tough to replicate in the playoff era, man. And it's uh, exactly what you said it's it's more arguments for the 18 playoff or the 12 team playoff. <clears throat> Excuse me, because you you get those matchups and you get that talent in, but I I do think that this is one of the years. There's been previous years where it's been a little questionable and, and some people have been on the outside looking in, and, but I, I think this is a year where the, the top four teams are pretty clear cut as long as USC takes care of business.
0: Couldn't agree more with you on that one. Uh, again, before we get to the games, I do want to mention that the carousel started already. We've got coaching hires, uh, a couple that I want to highlight right now that have already happened. Um, I think with all due respect, including your alma mater, it's hard to have a bigger. <laughs> it's hard to have a bigger home run hire right now than Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin. I think they absolutely yeah. crushed it, and this is huge. And you know, Fickle being a Midwest Ohio guy by nature, he's going to fit in very well at Wisconsin, who's got a top ten. I think a top ten winning program in this decade in terms of wins wins of the regular season. And I don't think they could have made a better hire. I'll just I'll, I'll be on record as saying I absolutely love this for the Badgers.
1: Yeah, and that. That's what's so fun about this right now is obviously the the oxygen in this conference is, is trapped by the Big Ten East most of the time between Michigan and Ohio State and occasionally Penn State uh, Michigan State and the Big Ten West. There's opportunity. There's there's some there's someone can reach up and grasp the golden ring and you saw that starting with Matt Rule to Nebraska um, and then Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. I, I don't think you could have hired two better coaches for those situations in terms of recapturing some of the, the magic and the those offensive lines or those uh, running backs from both of those heyday uh, teams. And there's a huge opportunity to seize one half of this conference from either of those teams. And, and they have the inside edge now because they made flash hires like that.
0: Yeah, and if he keeps Jim Leonard, I think that will help. I would understand, obviously, if that's not going to work out. I think he's done a great job. He's obviously a badger for life, too. Um, I, I think the the expectations in Wisconsin are kind of good as well. I think it's winnable. The Big Ten West, to say the least, given what we saw in recent memory. Uh, Fickle is a very, very polished coach, and he's going to improve them right away. So, again, props to them. Uh Interesting to say the least or are you surprised? I don't want to are you curious by Auburn bringing Hugh Freeze back into the Power 5 world?
1: Oh man, I I am. I mean, obviously uh, there's there's off the field things with him that uh, I don't know. I, you can obviously offset a lot of that because of the success offensively, especially you have it at Liberty and Auburn they, they have to kind of make those moves to be relevant and not left behind. They have the, the unique challenge of not only being left behind in the SEC, but being left behind in their state because they have the best coach in college football uh, as their rival. Mm-hmm. So I, I can understand it. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I don't, I don't love it because of obviously some of the things that uh, follow him around for his reputation, but I, I think that it, what he did with Malik Willis, not only attracting a quarterback like that to Liberty, but also the production that mm. he showed in that offense. That's, that's what Auburn needs. And, and it's, it's the spiritual opposite hire of Brian Harson who struggled and just, it seemed like from the first day had issues converting anybody from the Auburn fan base into believing that he could build that program up. Um, right. So, it's uh, I you know it's a splash hire and it's it's a win business and he'll bring a revamped offense and, and talent to Auburn and and we'll see if that translates into being in the conversation with LSU and and Georgia and Alabama at the end of the year.
0: Right, I'm not going to get you know I don't think many people are going to defend a lot of the stuff that Hugh Freeze has done or been accused of. That that said, I don't want to say it's the unforgivable shouldn't be allowed to coach situation you nailed it right. on the football perspective harson was not built for auburn for the sec for a fan base that might have some unrealistic expectations if we're being honest but hugh freeze is literally coached and succeeded in the sec west he's beaten saving a few times head to head you know he's going to build a good football program and develop players so They knew what they were signing up for and, you know, if they want to make that decision, that's, that's their call. This is a win now business. And I think he's going to help them on the field. And I think he, you know, what he did at Liberty is actually very impressive getting results there given, you know, what, you know, resources you're, you're left to work with. So it's interesting. It it builds more drama up. I do also want to point out that I don't know that it was necessarily fair, you know, some of the stuff that was happening on the side with, uh, the Lane Kiffin reports. I don't think that the journalism dotted its eyes and crossed its t's, and as a result, Ole Miss was kind of under the microscope there. But at least Lane got a new contract out of it,
1: right? And, and you know, Lane's building something at Oxford too. And and I think anytime your name gets thrown into a, a rival's uh, orbit, then yeah. you get a nice little uh, raise. And I'm I'm sure he's not going to be complaining with right. the success he's had there that, too. But yeah. It, it, it's all symptomatic of the same thing, man, especially in the SEC and, and in college football at large is there's there's the elite and then there's really good. And it's all of the moves that are made in the SEC are all made in the vacuum of how do we beat Saban? How do we get to that level? Yeah. How do we how do we do that? And and the thing that's exciting about it is the coaches that are currently there, at least there's uh, competition and there's ways to challenge Alabama that I don't necessarily know has been there um, from more than a team or two at a time. But now, when you look around, Kirby Smart's got what he's going uh, with in in Georgia. Um, you look at LSU. You look at the hired Auburn. You look at Ole Miss. Um, Jimbo uh, can always, like we saw last week, he can, he can get the team going. He's got a lot of runway there to, to rebuild that program, but everything ends and begins with trying to supplant Alabama and it forces the other teams to make splash hires or make reaches or, or try to find any creative way to get to that top seat. And that's what we're seeing, especially in this offseason.
0: Last thing before we get to conference championship week, Brendan, how pumped are you for Kenny Dillingham as the new head coach? He's been training for it his whole life. He's been coaching since he was 17. Arizona State alum, first to uh, ever hold the position as head coach of the Sun Devils. How pumped for you for this young man running your program?
1: Man, I can't even. I was waiting for you to ask me this because I, I, I can't be more thrilled with this decision. And I, I know that, you know, he's a younger coach. He hasn't had a head coaching position. The, ASU has hired older defensive coaches, guys that have kind of names uh, that ultimately don't end up having substance. And and what this program needs as as ASU is somebody who cares about Phoenix, somebody who loves Arizona, somebody who's going to be in this to build a program and take advantage of the talent in the state and the passion that the fan base has. And there's nobody. You couldn't build somebody in a lab who has more of an acumen for those things than Kenny Dillingham. So I'm expecting there to be rough patches. He's, he's you know He's got to learn. He's going to have to learn the ropes. He's going to have to run a program, which is obviously different than running an offense. But in terms of the absolute passion and the direction for a program that has a long, for a long time outsourced those needs, it's going to be fascinating to watch what he does with this job, and I'm 100% behind it
0: press conference was awesome man seeing how emotionally it was getting getting the chance to coach you know his dream job and uh mentioning how many resources and assets the, the region has so we know rome wasn't built in a day I, I think it's going to be a good fresh start we'll see what happens um the territory cup was <laughs> was wild this year that was that was a pretty <laughs> exciting ending it had everything it had fights it had penalties it had some high flying oh, plays fair. Uh, it was great. All right, Brennan Smith here on the Money Mitch Effect Conference Championship Weekend. Looking ahead to that, uh, starting with, I mean, Friday night, That that's the game, right? Utah and USC. If uh, USC could avenge their one loss on the season, they will be able to put, go to the playoff. And uh, Lincoln Riley back again. Caleb Williams playing for his Heisman. How do you see this one shaking out? Do you think USC avenges it, or does Utah prove to play spoiler again in this game, which they've done in the past.
1: I I think it's still USC's game to lose. I, I think that Utah will always come out and, and punch teams in the mouth. Um, they they have talent in the secondary with Clark Phillips. Uh, they have a good quarterback. They have uh, an all-world tight end who picked up kind of an injury in their, their last game against Colorado, but each Caleb Williams is, is the difference and, and that USC could have like USC at the last 10 years folded and kind of that UCLA game, that was an opportunity, but they, or Notre Dame even like, but they've, they've succeeded and Lincoln Riley has picked up where some of his predecessors have failed in finally believing that they're USC. And that's something that this conference has missed for it basically said Pete Carroll uh, left for the NFL, that USC is finally believing that it's USC. And I think that's the difference in this game. And, and Williams, I mean, just on the field, like the, the escapability, the ability to extend plays and find receivers downfield. And I don't think that over the long haul, the teams that they are now versus the teams they were earlier this season, I think USC is, is a better team.
0: Utah, three-point underdog. I think USC wins this game. I think they solidify the playoff picture. Uh, a lot went on in that first game, but I think it will be underrated how valuable it was that Utah had that game at home at night. You know it's a different atmosphere. I think that was sure. pretty much the difference there. Uh, Saturday, Kansas State takes on TCU. TCU's two-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Kansas State earlier this year was up big against TCU. Had the quarterback go out. TCU does what they do. They come back. Uh, This is one where I actually think an upset's possible. And, you know, since we're trying to be bold here, I'll go ahead and predict it and say Kansas State gets the win in this one in a nail-biter. But ultimately, a close game, especially, Brennan, I don't think it matters. I think TCU is still in the playoff.
1: Right. And that's, that's the ultimate trade chip in the playoff era is if you have a win previously and then you have a rematch I mean obviously the it factors a little bit heavier in the what have you done for me lately conversation but I'm with you I I think this is the game where there's a most likely potential for an upset and Kansas State you know just because they've been a little bit overshadowed by CCU they've had a good season as well and I, I think they can punch about their way to maybe give the hard frogs a little bit of issues coming into this game and you n- you never know like where's where's tcu's headspace is it looking ahead to the, the playoff and do they get caught a little bit or are they going to be taking care of business and, and handling what's right in front of them so i'm with you I, I think uh kansas state might be the way to go for this one and uh, they could pull the upset and, and i guess uh, create a little bit of chaos and confusion and conversation uh heading into the playoff selection
0: I think that's going to be a fascinating one. I think Georgia LSU is, you know, probably not for anything either, but I would say my, my honest opinion on this one, LSU is 17 and a half, 18 point underdogs. I would like them to cover this game. Georgia has proven they get up for the big games, but maybe kind of sleepwalk through the games that they don't need quite as much. I think that's fair to say.
1: Yeah. And, and- with LSU, it's the same question. Is LSU going to come out after that A&M game and be deflated and think we missed our shot at bigger and better things? And are, is there a little bit of the wind taken out of the, the sails? Uh, or are they going to come out and say, this is our last chance to make noise for the season, and are we going to try to take out the Bulldogs? But you said it. The, the spread, I think LSU can certainly cover that. They have the offensive firepower to do it. They have the, the coaching to do it. Um, but Georgia, you can set your watch to them all season long, and I don't think that's going to change this game.
0: Can't think of worse uh, momentum environment, you know, fanfare going into an ACC title game than <laughs> what we got right now with the North Carolina and Clemson, especially after last week. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would just say I like watching Drake May play quarterback. Uh, that's about all I have <laughs> going into this game to be excited <laughs> for.
1: Yeah, I got nothing for you, man. That's like uh, when you have too many leftovers and you got to eat them for like six days in a row. Like, there's <laughs> just not a lot of great feelings coming into this game. And, and Clemson is, uh, kind of sealed their fate last week. I mean, there will be points scored; it'll be a, a fun game. But I, I just think it's it's tough. It's that's the reality of the business right now. Is is uh, and the sport when you kind of lose that clinching chance and you still got a game left over it, it's tough to get up for and, and tough to put forth your best effort so we'll see how this shakes out but i, I i'm with you i don't know how much uh, you're gonna get
0: well, out of that,
1: it as far as excitement yeah.
0: well the last <laughs> one i would say too is that i could use the same argument for lsu to cover us per purdue which by the way iowa blowing that game to nebraska might have been the worst loss all season given the stakes at home, everything on the line. Purdue will probably make this a more fun game, and I'd say for the same reason, they probably cover about 17 points because I think Michigan is going to probably be going through the motions knowing they have one in the bag. I think they still win, but maybe by about
1: 10 to 14. Yeah, I I think you're spot on with that one. Sorry, I'm not creating a lot of controversy in the (laughs) podcast. No, it's it's a fatigue. I mean,
0: (laughs) we're not as as jacked up for conference title games as we were because of some of these upsets. Yeah.
1: And, and Purdue, it's it's sort of the same dynamic, you know. Do they do they treat this as their Big Ten Super Bowl, or they gonna go all out and and pull out all the stops and and try to show that you know there's not a huge gulf between the two divisions in that conference, or is is Michigan firing them on, on all cylinders and, and hitting their stride at the right moment? And I think you're right. I think they'll take their foot off the gas a little bit, and I think Purdue has a chance to to cover that, but. I I don't think there's any team in the country right now. I guess Georgia accepting that I would pick over Michigan right now in terms of getting hot at the exact right time and, and showing up and showing who you are. So Wolverines theirs to to lose. And I think they're going to do it comfortably.
0: Last thing, Brennan Smith, this has been a blast. Uh, how do you see the playoff shaking out when we, uh, get to next week?
1: And I, I think we, we, kind of alluded to it earlier, but I, I'm giving me chalk. I just I think it's Michigan, Georgia, USC, TCU, And that's, that's fun to me. I mean, obviously I have my PAC 12 biases, but it's, it's more fun when there's a, a kind of differing styles and you're getting four teams or four different conferences. If that shakes out. And that's what I've always wanted from the playoff, man. That's, that's what I want to see. I want to see, mm-hmm. I, I the people that are watching college football, not like you and I, where you know we watch it every week, but the people coming in, I want there to be contrasting styles. If they only watch two games a year and then the national championship, it, its I hope that those are competitive. I hope that that showcases West Coast football and East Coast football and Southern football and, and Texas football and, and just shows kind of the differences and the, the variety that I've been missing in some of these recent playoff matchups. And it'll be fun, man. I mean, if that, if that comes true, it's a lot of new blood in the playoffs, and that's uh, ultimately what I want as a fan.
0: I can't wait to see how it shakes out. Uh, Brennan Smith, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. We'll be doing this again, but uh, really appreciate you, my man.
1: Uh, thank you, man. Always a blast, and uh, get to these games. It's going to be fun.
0: Big thanks, as always, to Brendan Smith for his excellent analysis, recapping, rivalry week. Sad football season's almost over, but we're going conference championship week into Army-Navy, into the bowl games, and into the playoff games. You can't beat that. Pleasure is always talking to Brendan, But now it's time to turn our attention to the pro game. Joe Crisale calling in to talk about the Denver Broncos. Terrible, terrible season. He's got a lot of thoughts on that. We break down the pecking order. Some big games in the NFL this past weekend. The Eagles are 10-1. What we think about that team, the Chiefs, are the Dolphins for real. We look at that and the first quarter of the NHL season. The Devils are on fire. We got a lot to say about the NHL and the NFL. It's Joe Crisale now here on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, it's time to talk some NFL football and some NHL action with my next guest, regular guest on the program, Joe Crisale, who. Uh, is in the midst of uh, just trying to find the positives in the sports fan fanhood at least in the NFL side of things Joe welcome back and uh, let's just let's just kind of have some therapy here talking about your pro football team
2: I mean is it therapy if it's just complaining over and over and over again is that how that works yeah for those that don't know Joe
0: is a Broncos fan Uh, and I would and I would say this you know lovingly that it's probably the worst situation in the NFL. Given you know there might be worse teams record-wise, but given the expectations, given the contract situation with Russell Wilson, all the draft picks that were traded away, and the head coaching situation, it's just not good right now. And uh, it's even got you kind of you know checking out, which I totally get from the regular watching of of every snap.
2: Yeah, I mean, we all watched that Thursday night game against the Colts, and like I told you before, after I. I saw that one of my buddies was at the game and he said that it was just laughable. Everybody in the stands was just laughing and then obviously people started leaving. But ever since I watched that game, I haven't really watched a single down because it's unwatchable. They're just completely unwatchable team. Russell Wilson doesn't know anything about what's going on in the field. Head coach, Hackett's terrible. From top to bottom, Everything is awful. Defense is good. I think I saw a stat somewhere. If the Broncos scored 18 or more points in like six of the, six of the games that they lost, they would have won. So it could be a completely different story. If the offense, the offense was remotely, you know, did anything, but no running game, no quarterback, (laughs) no coaching. So, um, a total fiasco. And then to trade the, obviously you trade those picks to Seattle. Those picks are looking pretty good <laughs> yeah, for the Seahawks well, right
0: now. I would also, I mean, yeah, you lose a game to Sam Darnold coming back in who played well, but the Panthers to push you around, that's one thing. And the frustrations yeah. boil, boil, boiling over with Purcell and Wilson and everything. I think there's a lot of levels to this. And obviously you, you look at Russell Wilson first, given the money, given all the, the assets that were given to him, given the fact that he just hasn't done well this year, that's where it, I think it looks like it starts, and maybe it does, but uh, the the coaching situation Hackett is just not cutting it. And this, I'm I'm really anti one and done, but I feel like that's the one that will be. He's, you know, he's
2: going to be if they keep if they keep him around. The fan base is, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know how you rally around that. Like after what we've seen, after everything that has happened so far, like the, even the first few weeks of the season, like. You're like okay, a couple mistakes here and there. You get, you take the loss, take the losses in those first couple of games, and you're like okay, but it's there. Like you know, we'll get that fit. Yeah. And yeah. here we are at here we are at three and eight, and nothing I'm, has changed.
0: I'm not writing off. I mean, it, it doesn't look good for us for a lot of reasons, and, and the amount given up and the money tied to him. I understand being completely pessimistic, but maybe I'm just maybe I'm more naive than most. But I think if you get rid of, I mean, again, it's a new ownership group, so that might make it easier. But if you get rid of Hackett, you find a coach that maybe can get them get something. I mean, any coach seems like it would be a step up. But there might be a reason Andrew for more coach. optimism. Because like you said, all they needed to do was score you know, 21, 20 points or so, and their record drastically changes. So I would say it's doom and gloom for sure. This year's a what? bust, a disaster. But you get a coach in there, an offensive-minded coach, the defense still has playmakers, obviously, when it rains defense, it pours. And this is it, just fatigue and frustration for having to be on the field so much. But I think – Next year could be a step up if they get the right person at the helm.
2: I don't know how you uh, get any better when you don't have any picks, but um, <laughs> last in the league in points per game with 14 points per game. That is abysmal. <laughs> abysmal. Third third in points allowed per game. So like we were saying, offense worst in the league. Defense pretty freaking good. It's crazy how shallow – the roster looks after a couple injuries happen right you look at all these players coming to start of the season you're like oh here we go we got Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon in the backfield and now we're watching Latavius Murray lead the way and they traded for Chase Edmonds toss him on IR and Sutton hasn't done much Jerry Judy got hurt so now the the wide receiver that we're looking to throw the ball to is Kendall Hinton. How many years in a row are we going to depend on this practice squad wide receiver to do anything? At least he's for not this?
0: quarterback this time, uh, but, but, that, um, but, but that, I
2: mean, would it be better? Would it
0: be better? Look, <laughs> well, that being said, um, I think that we oftentimes look at these for lack of a better term seasons from hell and think that the franchise is completely doomed I think you just write this one off as a disaster. You fire the coach and you see what happens. Now I'm with you that the draft picks aren't going to help you know, not having them, but I don't think that it's completely dead because there is talent there. That's what I think makes this so frustrating.
2: The loss at home in overtime to Josh McDaniels made me erupt. I mean, like, I I was checked out before that, but, I mean, obviously I still check in for scores and ads and stuff like that. But, like... Hmm. Man, if there's anybody on the planet that you need to beat at mm-hmm. with two wins, you can't beat him. Like Josh <laughs> McDaniels, the guy who single-handedly <laughs> ruined the Broncos franchise for like five years. Like
0: Half the Raiders wins versus the Broncos this year. Uh, which it's just, unreal. Like, funny. It's,
2: it's just it's so heartbreaking because going into the season, you're looking at this team and you're like, okay, they got a shot.
1: And yeah. then they
2: come out and they literally – It's like they caught their, their, their laces were tied together when they all tried to run out in the field or something. Like it just doesn't, yeah, it's just not fun to watch. And I mean, I don't know how you feel about your brownies, but we're kind of in the same boat, except you have somebody coming back on the field where if I see anyone pick him up in fantasy, it's going to be the biggest, like negative juju for that team. So,
0: well, okay. A couple of things, one being uh, just the last point, people have already picked him up in fantasy. So, Who did? no, I mean, I'm just saying in general, people have already picked him up. They're, uh, he's, well, they're all going to lose. They're all going to lose. <laughs> okay. I haven't, so, but I'm just, let's, let's just, let's, um,
2: I'm, I'm watching you on waivers tonight, buddy. Okay. We're, we're going to
0: tie. <laughs> we're going to tie. I have Patrick <laughs> Mahomes in our league. I don't know what you're talking about. I could get on my moral high horse because I have Patrick Mahomes, but the, uh, the first thing being, and we'll tie this together. You lose to the Panthers, the four and eight Panthers, there's some buzz, some rumblings that maybe this Panthers team could be the one to win the NFC South. And I and I asked that <laughs> giving it to the Browns being the Bucks, but somebody has to win this division, Joe. And I don't know who you think it's gonna be. You got the Falcons losing to the Commanders, the Saints didn't score, the Bucs lost to Jacoby Brissett. Somebody has to win this division, so why not the Panthers?
2: Why not? It could I mean how insane. How insane <laughs> would that be? It's not like their schedule is tough at all. No down the stretch here. I mean, going at Seattle. I mean, they just they beat the amazing Broncos now. <laughs> but at Seattle, that's probably their toughest test. Then they got Pittsburgh, Detroit, back to Tampa Bay, who is beatable, and New Orleans, who yes. they've beaten already this year.
0: So I, I can't make sense of it, but it's just funny. This is probably going to be a losing record. We keep waiting on Tampa to get engaged. Uh, I, I would take. I, I would point out the difference between the Browns and the Broncos. The biggest one being. The Browns haven't seen Deshaun Watson play, I guess, really poorly. If he does, that would trump Russell Wilson's, uh, you know, woes with the contract because that contract is guaranteed, and they're they they owe him a lot of money. I think the Browns, and I hate to say this, but they kind of looked at this as maybe like a lost year given the suspension. They have talent, but they also have a ton of flaws. This game was won. Uh, in large part to the defense holding firm, and, and in bigger part probably Joe to the Bucks And Todd Bowles just coaching that game like a complete coward. I mean, it was it was crazy yeah. how he you know took the delay game on fourth and two at, at the 37, didn't go for it, didn't try the long field goal, left points yeah. on the table, punted twice in overtime, uh, and Joku makes the catch of his career. The Browns have had, I mean, they're a 4-7 team they deserve to be based on how they played. But they have blown a lot of close games. The Jets game, the Chargers games come to mind. So four and seven, solid, not great. I, I think this I think they're gonna win this week against the Texans, but I think they're trying to set themselves up for the future. So I, I've been disappointed, but I kinda have to temper my expectations given, you know, obviously not having your QB for eleven games.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just I don't know how you trot that man out on that field next week. I'll say Russell Wilson is terrible and he's a lot of things, but mm. he's not Sean Watson. So I'd much rather have Russell Wilson there than Sean okay. Watson. Well, you and, and I
0: don't, I don't want to litigate this again. I've kind of said my piece. Um, you know, I don't obviously agree with anything that Watson's alleged or has been, I mean, more than likely, you know, circumstantially proven to have done uh, That's Get the
2: legals in there. Get the legals in there.
0: Okay. Yeah. I want to make sure that said the onus has been on, you know, the NFL to punish him, and they did, and this is what they decided to do, so, and I would just preface it for everybody else that's kind of on their moral high horse, not to accuse anybody that's done illegal stuff, even though there's probably some stuff out there, but the Falcons wanted him, the Dolphins wanted him, the Saints wanted him, I mean, the the, the Browns weren't the only team that were willing to back the Brinks truck, Brinks truck up to get him, so... I don't begrudge any any fan base that roots for you know a team that has some questionable character guys on there. Uh, that said, I understand that he's not a likable guy, and he's going to have to wear the criticism that follows him the rest of his career. So that that's my so, piece with that.
2: So you you got the Browns winning at the Texans next week, Browns? Oh, the Texans are the that. worst
0: team in the league. Like they're the worst team in the league, worse than your Broncos even.
2: I don't know, man. It's pretty close. If, they put, if you put the Broncos up against the Texans... Kyle I Allen think was third string on your like Broncos,
0: what, like five, how many years ago?
2: <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like 5-3, final score, one safety and two field goals. They had the that
0: game this year, and it wasn't close to... It was kind of close to a 5-3 game.
2: I mean, I don't know. I, like you said, the Browns probably aren't going anywhere this year. No, no. I'm, not, I'm not keen on seeing that guy on the field, but... I would I would make a I would make a Texans Browns bet against you, but we'll see how that we'll see how it plays out. I, if you give me points Texans plus seven, I might take it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, I'm gonna stay away from that, not for the karma purposes, but it is interesting to see a quarterback who hasn't played football in two years what what that's gonna look like. Um, other things though, I mean, I might have spoken out of turn. The Broncos might not be the the biggest you know kind of disaster franchise place going forward. It might be the Rams actually. Because, I mean, the Rams just look awful at 3-8, and eight, and Stafford has been hit a bunch of times, missed some games, and they don't have draft picks. They've got an aging roster. Uh, the Chiefs kind of sleptwalk through that win, didn't look anything close to their best, still won by 16 points. I think the Rams' fall from grace has to be one where it's it's shocking on one hand, Joe, but on the other hand, I mean, this is what happens when you go all in. They got their championship, but now they're paying for literally all the money they dished out to get it.
2: Yeah, no, that's 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 totally right. That's that's what happens when you when you go get the championship. So like Rams fans you can't be mad about where the team is at right now. I would I would not say they're worse than the Broncos. But I mean what the product they put out there last week with Bryce Perkins, I mean, it's pretty rough. <laughs> it it's pretty rough for, for the Rams and they're gonna have some tough slides moving forward because Cup goes down, Robinson goes down, Stafford's down. I mean the they're just gonna you know chalk it up for the rest of the year so they might even lose out the rest of these games trying to get trying to get that i mean do they even have a no they don't pick?
0: that's the thing they don't have their pick either so this is not looking good that's the uh detroit lions who have their pick and have a chance to maybe build something they're kind of a fun team but you know that's where they're you know they don't have the pick either and and I don't know what you could even get if you try to rebuild. Like, what's an Aaron Donald or even a Jalen Ramsey look like on the market? I don't really know, but... um,
2: You could probably get a lot for them. And by a lot, I mean they could probably scoundrel up like a first-round pick or a second-round pick or something. That's old, though. And
0: and Jalen's not looking good, you know? So that's... Yeah. Well,
2: hmm. they're not playing. Like, the team is 3-8. and Everybody's hurt. Why are those guys going to go out there and legitimately give it their all you know so, like i
0: have a, i have a question for you with the nfc and this will kind of tie it together but the eagles are now 10 and 1 they win that high scoring affair with the packers Rodgers gets hurt you know the whole thing love comes in but the, the eagles win they're 10 and 1 looking at the rest of the teams i mean you got the cowboys in there you've got the niners kind of hitting their stride the giants are tailing off does it seem like we're just does it seem, Joe, i ask like this, that we're just gearing up towards like those three teams, Eagles, Cowboys, rising Niners, because I, I can't really remember a year where it's been like a three team, like race to the top where there is, seems to be like a cutoff line. I think if you would tell me that you like any other team to represent the NFC, I'd probably call you crazy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, you got to get Minnesota in there too. They're can't really write them off, but San Francisco is banged up too. Um, especially on offense. They just lost Eli Mitchell for another, probably the rest of the season. McCaffrey's got a banged up knee. Debo hasn't been himself all year. He's got been work, working down on a hamstring. I think we've seen, we've seen Philly kind of falter off a little bit. That Colts game, they should have blown them out and they, luckily for them, came up with the dub at the end. And this last Packers game kind of went back and forth, teeter-tottered a little bit. And they depended on Jalen Hurts' legs a lot. Philly defense. Solid, but needs some work. Honestly, I think Dallas is the best team in the NFC. Mm. Their it, defense is unreal. And with yeah. Dak, Dak missed those few weeks and him coming back, uh, you know, CD healthy. They get Schultz back. He's healthy. The team just has been firing all cylinders. You got I Pollard guess, back there. Yeah. Everybody's been packing been, on Zeke, but you have yeah. that 1A and that 1B, and yeah. they're just, they're crime. It's together. funny. It's, it's funny
0: I forgot the Vikings. Uh not necessarily forgot about them, but just wrote them off as not a legit contender in the top three. Now that was a bit of an oversight contender. on our pipe, but I, I just I would put them forth on the teams that I list because I think the Niners are the dangerous team people are, are worrying about for obvious reasons, but every one of these teams has flaws and, and reasons why you could say, uh We're not so sure. Hurts relying on his legs. I think the defense for the Eagles has been questionable as with the special teams, but they're still 10-1. and They're still winning big games, and they're still getting it done.
2: But who have they played? Like, who have they beat? Well, the
0: Cowboys' win at home was a good one. I think you can definitely say that. And the same with the Vikings. They shellacked them at home early. I know it's early and things change.
2: It was Cooper Rush. You throw Dak out there, he's not he, throwing three picks. I, so that's the thing with
0: Dallas. Like Defensively, yes, best defense of all these teams. I mean, maybe Niners and them you can you can debate, but Mika Parsons, stud, secondary's great. I don't know if I'm fully there with trusting Dak yet. Now, I, now you mentioned at the running game, Pollard and Zeke, maybe Pollard more than Zeke, but both of them together, that is really great. That's Yeah, they know.
2: make a Derrick Henry together, plus okay. somebody that can yeah. catch the ball. Yeah,
0: I just don't know. I don't know if I'm there with, with Dak, and I know obviously you could say the same with Jimmy G, but you have Shanahan, you have McCaffrey in the offense that I think will warm up, and you have you know Debo making plays along with Juwan Jennings now who stepped up. And Kittle, I think it's and and I just think it's going to be a fascinating way to go through this. I think the Cowboys need to get that second game against the Eagles, uh, maybe not for the division, but just to kind of you know prove to themselves that they're they're at that level because that's a big game for them. But I would say, watch out for the Niners would be my my overarching theme. I think this is the team that's done well in the postseason. They've won a lot of big road games, and uh, they would have no problem it's going fair. into any one of these teams. Going into Minnesota, going into Dallas, going into Philly, I think they would be the best road team to kind of you know make a push come NFC
2: playoff time. It's fair. I mean, they make do with what they have. You know, San Francisco coming up, they got a few. They got a few tests. Um, this next week they got Miami then they got Tampa then they got to go to Seattle so we'll see how those next three games play out for them Um, but like you said the game I'm most looking forward to is going to be that Philly Dallas game in Dallas Christmas Eve Mm. I think that's going to shape a lot of um, what people think how the playoffs are going to go but like you said Dak obviously you can't totally trust him but you have to admit that the team is better with him out there so regardless of you know, if he's beaten with the arm, or if he's throwing picks, or you know, if he's got to run the ball a little bit, it all just kind of depends how how mm-hmm. the defense plays. And and for the majority of the season,
1: yeah. the
2: defense has looked really really good. I mean, they go into Minnesota and they blow them out forty to three. That's a pretty good sign. And that team was nine and one. So, yeah. and they've they've been they've been tested a little bit here starting out the season they beat fincy they went to the to la they beat the rams week five when they were you know still a team (laughs) but i just don't believe in in philly and i i just you look at their schedule and you're like who have they beaten yeah they beat dallas but they beat dallas with cooper rush they lost to washington which was a shocker on monday night that kind of just blew my uh my pick them yeah. wide open, I, if, if they pulled that win off for me, I probably would have took home the money for that week. But that's kind of probably why I'm salty. But um, <laughs> even the next few games, yeah. we'll see. Because Tennessee is no, no, no take either for Philly. So, you know, we'll see how it goes with them. But, yeah, I got that, that. Eagles at Cowboys game, Christmas Eve circled for sure.
0: More Joe Crisali here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, I do want to focus on the AFC now, which – had an interesting, uh, had an interesting uh, couple of results in their NFL slate on Sunday. Two teams going for two in the win in, in the L.A. Chargers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I don't know about you, but I, I thought Justin Tucker was going to make that 67-yard field goal.
2: <laughs> they trust that guy with everything. They, they put way, way too much on him. Like, hey, bro, you want to go out there and kick this? I saw him in uh, pregame warm-ups. He hit one from 64. They probably thought that he could go out there, but we've—I've witnessed a kicker trying to win one over sixty yards, and it does not go well. No,
0: you no, know, it doesn't. And for Baltimore, it's a reoccurring theme of just kind of blowing games where they've had leads, and
2: they just haven't been—they just haven't been very good. You know, Lamar has not been accurate. It's weird because
0: they are good until the, the end of these games. Like they built up leads, and then they just kind of give them away. And I think Lamar well, is. Look at who he. Yeah.
2: Look at who he's throwing to. There you go. They got rid of Marquise Marquise Brown. His top target is Mark Andrews, but we're going to be honest that he is not healthy. He Mm -hmm. missed those two weeks a couple weeks ago. They brought him back because their wide receiver one is Devin DuVernay. Like, Yeah, he's a good player, but he's kind of like a gadget guy. So your real wide out is Demarcus Robinson, who you throw him on any other team, he's a wide receiver four. Um,
0: so are you saying Dobbins, this is the
2: Bengals' division? You think? Uh, it could be. I had I had the Ravens coming out on top um, before the season started, but you know Cincinnati has kind of spun it around. They got three wins in a row. We'll see how it goes for them, though. They got mm-hmm. they got to take on Kansas City this weekend, and I think I really do think they have a possibility of pulling out of that game based on how, how you were talking about. Kansas City didn't really play super, super well last week. Yeah, they're 9-2, and two, but they could lose a game here and there and still yeah. keep their spot at the top. And this this win would make a huge difference for yeah. the Bengals. It um, did
0: last year. You know, not – not I mean, obviously they beat them in the conference championship game, but the regular season game that essentially won them the Central Division. I think the Bengals are – are they peaking a lot like they did last year? The middle of the season, going on the win streak. You still have questions about the line, but they are going to be getting Jamar Chase back very soon. So, yeah. I, I think I think they got it. it's in another division game, right? It's going to come down to that Bengals Ravens game, the rematch, because the Bengals dropped the first one. They're going to need the second one. Both these teams are in pretty solid shape for the playoffs, and you know I just think it's going to be interesting to see how this this shakes out. I think the team that I'm most curious, Joe. I don't want to say. I don't want to even say optimistic or pessimistic, but just curious to see how they fare are the eight and three Miami Dolphins, because they've done more than a lot of people have expected Two of the top five producing receivers in the league. But now the schedule really gets tough. So now it's a, OK. Let's really see how good they are. I'm not saying they can't do it, but the schedule heats up. And if they go on a winning streak, and if they win some of these games, could you imagine if they get the division? how big of a difference that would be as opposed to having to go to Buffalo, as opposed to having to go to Kansas City, some of these cold-weather cities come playoff time.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, you you said it. But they go into San Francisco next week, so we'll see how that game plays out for them. But their offense has been absolutely ridiculous. Just absolute mastermind at head coach there for them. They've been really good. It's just really tough to see Tua get absolutely crunched every Mm. single game, Mm. but I mean... If he's out there, yeah. they're they are just firing on all cylinders. And it almost doesn't even seem like it matters who he's throwing the ball to. They spread the ball around so well. They yeah. do it unlike any other team. I mean, if you look at even, like, just how many dudes have receptions on the team, I, I guarantee you it's more than, than anybody else. Like, each game, he's he's throwing to 10 different guys. And he's yeah. got his two main guys, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. I mean... They're having fantastic years. Tyreek already over 1,000 yards. Waddle almost over 1,000 yards. Um, Nobody else is over 300, but they're all doing the things that they need to do. And their running game surprisingly has been half decent with Mostert um, bringing Wilson back over there. But it's not really shocking to see that that they're at the top of that division right now with um, how Buffalo kind of – drop those two games in a row to the jets and uh, the vikings but it's yeah. going to be interesting because buffalo buffalo heading to new england this week and miami heading to san francisco this week those could both be losses for for both of these teams. so, so we could kind of be talking the same the same yeah. spiel that the whole teams at eight and four going into next week
0: do you have any real worries with the bills i know they've they've kind of been up and down and uneven a lot of close games some weirdness there they they hang on against the Lions. I think I think my one worry might be it's similar to Philly that like when they don't get the running game going or they're not sure what's happening on offense, they just say we're just gonna pound Allen down the middle. He's built a little bigger, obviously, than Jalen Hurts. But yeah. I've noticed the offense can get disjointed at times. I wouldn't say I'm worried, but I think it's something that if they want to be a championship team, they're gonna have to get more consistent and put teams away really when they get up by, you know, a touchdown, ten points.
2: Yeah. They're They're, like, I mean, offensively, even defensively, they're the best team in the league. Mm -hmm. Number two in points scored per game, fifth in points allowed per game on defense, second in yards per game. Like, they're top five in, like, every category, basically. Second in third down efficiency, which the Broncos are uh, dead last. Um, But they're similar. I mean, similar to the way the Dolphins play, they spread the ball around really well. Uh, They don't have that bruiser running back, but I like what I saw out of um Singletary always steps up but I like what I saw out of the rookie James Cook the last couple weeks he hasn't gotten a ton of play but he's made the most of uh what they've asked him to do and Josh Allen has just such a, a tendency to to really you know spread the ball around he doesn't get honed in on one guy um I mean Diggs having a good season he's got Diggs Davis Knox McKenzie had a great week last week and um they got those two dudes coming out of the backfield. So, you know, I, they did make that trade for Naheem Hines, and I really thought that he was going to make a difference for them, but it doesn't seem like he fits into their offense like at all. He's, he's got negative five rushing yards for them so far. Um, but Bill's Bill Dolphins, that's going to be a tight race all the way to the end, um, especially for that top spot in the AFD East, and we'll see what happens when they face off uh, in three weeks. That's going to be huge. Can't wait
0: for it. The last thing on football, the New York Jets, that whole that whole situation. Zach Wilson gets benched after one of the worst quarterback games I've seen in a long time. Doesn't really take much responsibility. All that goes down, and then Mike White comes in lights it up. He's, he's ready to go. So the Jets with... He's who the Jets fans want.
2: Well, they want Mike White. They right want now, him to start with so I think
0: they just don't want Zach Wilson. I think let's start there. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on Mike White being it's almost like he's in that Fitzpatrick role where a spot starter, great, love it, it's fun. I don't know that you build the team around him, but there's no debating that he gives you a better chance to win than Zach Wilson. I mean, look at what he did with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore's back in the fold. So Jets with a yeah. competent quarterback with an elite-level defense, this could very well be a playoff team.
2: They could, but they are also banged up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, I, I like them going to Mike White. I hope they stick with Mike White the dude, fifth round pick, been in the league for four years, you know, he's read the clipboard for long enough. If Zach Wilson's gonna put out that type of performance like he did two weeks ago, there's no reason for them to flip back to him. Uh, Mike White led team dropped thirty one points last week with Donovan Knight leading the running game. So you yeah. tell me, Mike White out there gives them a much better chance to win. Um, it's gonna be tough sledding for them though, these next two weeks. They go to Minnesota, they go to Buffalo. Probably both L's in my opinion. Um, Would not be shocked though if they, uh, you know, stymied Minnesota. I was I was really bummed New England couldn't pull that out against Minnesota last week, but uh, on Thanksgiving. But um, maybe the Jets can do it.
0: Yeah, New England kind of blew that game, but the Jets are are a fun team to watch. I don't know what Zach Wilson's future holds, but uh, it's going to have to to hold.
2: I've ever heard that. What? The Jets are a fun team to watch. That, that's not a
0: sentence I've heard. Hey, you had fun watching them play with Mike White at quarterback. I guess, I guess. Hey, you no, know, they got some, it's funny, they got some skill on their team. So you like to just see. I mean, Insala knows they got a chance to win with Sauce Gardner and the defense doing well. So, okay. Joe Crisali, this has been a blast. Uh, before I let you go, we got to talk a little hockey. We're about, to, we're over a quarter of the way through the season. And uh, we're going to reevaluate some of our predictions and picks. It's still early. A lot of time for them to go good or bad for us. But let's start with uh, our mistakes. And I don't even think it's a mistake. No one had the New Jersey Devils this good. 19-4 and overall. uh, Just a a phenomenal, phenomenal run to start the season. Jesper Bratt betting on himself. Sorry, Devils fans. He's 100% not going to be on the team next year. But still, you're getting unbelievable performance from him. And you're actually getting goaltending this year. The New Jersey Devils with their 10-1 road record, Joe. Easily the, uh, the biggest surprise of the season.
2: Yeah, man. It uh, breaks my heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, there it is. I mean, like I said, though, just for Bratz, have an amazing season. Jack Hughes, dude's got 100 shots on goal already. Five goals in the last three games. They've kind of just been ridiculous uh, from top to bottom. And they're getting production out of their their top overall picks that they've had the last two years. Nico, Jack. I don't remember if they traded for Dougie Hamilton or if they signed him last year, but he's been really good for them, top to bottom. They've been great, and and Vanacek was a great pickup for them. He um, was. That was a that was a real that was a real myth by the Kraken leaving him well, for from Washington, but I, you know I, I, they're yeah. they're getting it out of him in, in New Jersey, uh, so. It sucks to see them at the top of the leaderboard, but, you know, they're having a great year. Really bummed that they made the Rangers look like meat last night, but, mm. you know, here we are.
0: Well, I'll just also say that not, you know, I mean, it's funny that the fan base wanted Lindy Rupp fired after a few games. I mean, keeping him there a proven coach in this league has, has done wonders too, but they're battling, you know, they're, they're battling through a lot of uh, these close games. Coming back to beat Edmonton on the road was the game where I'm like, whoa, you know, this is something a uh, tail end of a yep. uh, road trip as well. Uh, other Eastern conference notes. And uh, yeah, my boys are in dead last in the conference right now, but kind of improving a little bit from just the horrendous start.
2: <laughs> Ouch. Ouch.
0: Uh, hey, the, the coldest team right now in the NHL though, is the Philadelphia Flyers who prove that you can go on There's... ten game losing streaks again. Uh, but no, I mean the love, Eastern conference, love. I mean the Bruins were another one. I mean, they've, they're 18 and three best win percentage Based on uh, games played, having two less than the Devils, and you know what, what's interesting with them is they've they've got offensively, and, and you know what you talk about—they're undefeated at home. It hasn't happened twelve and zero in a very long time, if ever. Uh, Pasternak lighting it up, and just the ability to bring that to bring their new coach in there, Montgomery, uh, and, and really just you know bear fruits of their labor. I think the Bruins are, are proving that their window is wide open. Is
2: Pasternak Char- sign a deal, or is he that, but a bet on It's
0: coming. Not yet, and also Charlie McAvoy is a top five defenseman in the NHL, and he's probably higher than five because he is just an anchor back there.
2: Uh, so yeah, the, and he has he hasn't been like that. No, uh, I mean, no. he was, but he he has not been this type of player. I mean, we're not giving ourselves enough credit because we did say that one team was going to drop off. At least one team was going to drop off in the East. We thought it was going to be Boston, but it's been Washington. Washington has has not he, has not he, played. Yeah.
0: I'm not taking a victory lap yet because a lot of it's yeah, injury. I sure. re- a lot of it's injury related. Like I, you know, they they got a lot of guys that aren't playing. Uh, your boys though, the Rangers. Uh, I will say now. Now looking at the the Metro Division where it's Devils, Islanders, who we both expected to be back and good after last year's COVID, you know, snake bit season with the arena issues. Carolina's middle of the road there. Pittsburgh started out hot and then they've kind of come back to earth, but you know now they're ramping it up again. Crosby playing like an MVP, unfortunately. But your boys, the Rangers, at the 5 spot, 10, 9, and 4. Hasn't been a great start. I, I think that they've got guys that are playing well and building off last year, Joe, but they have kind of taken a step back in certain areas, and unfortunately, one of them is goaltending.
2: Yeah, that one hurts. Uh, but I, I wouldn't totally talk to blame on Shisterkin, although he does not seem to be playing at the same caliber that he was last year. Went to the Kraken game a couple weeks ago, and I was expecting to... You know, see the Rangers just mop the ice up with them. And uh, they played a, a solid game. And I was like, wow, okay, so Rangers are on par with this Kraken team. Now, to be fair, Kraken are They're solid. in the playoff. But for the Rangers, man, they just, I feel like they've kind of just lost their identity a little bit. Not mm-hmm. bringing back Reeves, you know, got rid of him for whatever reason. They needed cap space. Um, Krastov didn't work out, couldn't find a spot for him. He's hurt. He, I mean, he goes on the ice for two seconds, and he's, he's hurt immediately. So. <laughs> Adam, It happens every time. Adam Fox missed the last couple games. Lindgren, I mean, that's your top defensive pairing right there. So you want to say this three-game losing streak that they're on, you want to attribute that to anything with Shostakovich not playing as well as he can because he doesn't have his two best guys in front of him. And if I see Libor Hajek on the ice for more than, like, Five seconds in a game, I'm gonna lose it. At that, we went to this cracking game. The amount of turnovers he had were just unbelievable, and he's always out of position. He doesn't know what's going on. He kind of just like skating around with his like a chicken with his head cut off. But this Rangers team, they they just aren't as deep as no. we kind of thought they were gonna be. If Jimmy BC is, is coming off on the top line, I mean, I don't know. He's kind of a yeah. been a been the one year deal guy the last couple of years, and they just haven't gotten their production that that they wanted and they thought they were going to get out of, you know, like Kako and Lafreniere. And, I mean, Jad's still getting his for the most part, 24 points. Like Panarin, to be fair, hasn't been amazing, hasn't been great. Dude's only got six goals on the year. He's minus – I mean, your your top line uh, assist man should not be minus nine. When you're looking at those types of guys that aren't playing at the level that you're accustomed to see them playing, This is this is what happens. Um, And Truba hasn't been amazing either. He's minus six. Like you're looking at these top dudes, your your captains, your alternates that Mm. are in the minus are at this point in the year. um, And you got your top two D men out. This is this is where we're at.
0: So three game losing streak, and you know each one of them hurts. Uh, The Ducks. I mean, I know it's a road trip, whatever, but the Ducks are not a good hockey team. So losing that one kind of set it in motion. But the big one was the weekend game. Against the Oilers, we can we can talk about how much skill the Oilers have, but you're up three nothing in the third period at home. You got to win that game, like you just have to. And uh, yeah, that's Given up four,
2: giving up four in the third, I know, and none scored by McDavid. So I know what the hell. I think? know,
0: I know. Well, uh-huh. before we go though, just you know the Western Conference, uh, two division leaders are Dallas and Vegas, which is shocking, sound shocking. I think one more than the other. I think looking at it, Joe, we should have been more. Open to Vegas being better. Jack Eichel is still an elite, elite player. They were injury-ridden last year, to say the least. And like many teams in this league, we always say if you can just get goaltending, that it, you know, and that's what they've gotten with Logan Thomas, who's done a great job for them. So them being at the top of their division, not as surprise to me, is Dallas, who has 88 goals scored this year. That the stars are coming up, but how about Robertson? That is, is Robertson's like a MVP level candidate the way he's been playing?
2: Yeah. I mean, I wish I drafted him for my my fantasy. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me look at these numbers here: two, three, four, five, two, four, six, seven, eight goals. One, two, three, four. 8 goals in his last six games.
1: He's got points.
2: It. He's got at least two points in like each of his last ten games. Mm. It's, mm. It's, his his numbers are absolutely absurd. Uh, Thirty six points already through twenty three games. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. I, I still um, expect Colorado to make that move. Yeah.
0: I would say I still expect they, Colorado to make that move, but the fact that Dallas, who last year couldn't get anything, they were riding on just their goalie, you know, sure to make those plays. If you're an offensive juggernaut now, it's like, okay, there's something real well, real building here.
2: Also you're looking at they were not getting this production at all out of Jamie Benn, I feel no. the last couple of years. I mean, last year finished with forty six points in eighty two games. He's already got twenty six he's turning around to, to maybe be, you know, uh, an extra contributor. It looks, they're, they're at the top, right? Goals for number one. They got 88 on the season so far. Um, shooting percentage second, power play percentage third, penalty kill percentage third. So, like, those, all those things in a row, you put the puck on the net, it goes in, you score on the power play, and you kill the, the penalty. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they really can do no wrong at this point. And I see that Ottinger is the favorite to win the at this point with how how well he's playing and how well the team is playing overall. I guess I, I, I'm shocked that they're they're at the top of the Central, but I'm definitely more shocked at Vegas mm-hmm. because I was so ready. I mean, not so ready, I did. I just kind of wrote them off. You look at their roster now even, and you're kind of like, how the hell are they doing what they're doing? Um,
0: Michael's a beast, though. Like, we forgot because he hasn't really played, and this is a <laughs> – a top-end talent added to a team that yes might not be the most flattering when you look at it on paper but you're just plugging him into an already, you know, proven I guess organization and that's where I'm I'm looking at it. But no, I mean getting the goalie that they got out of a Canadian college is is huge as well.
2: Yeah, like them. Are going to talk about the Kraken here somehow? Kraken 8-1-1 in their
0: last 10. Great on the road. I think uh, five-game winning streak is great, but I'm not... Let's see. I'm just going to hold my breath a little bit. You know, we've seen this story before. I think the Kings are going to be in that 3-4 to range. I think Edmonton's going to make the move. Calgary's one that I I don't know that they make the move. I'm just not sure that uh, the loss of Goudreau and Kachuk, which obviously Florida and Columbus aren't doing well themselves, but... Calgary just hasn't really impressed me and they just can't put the puck in the net.
2: Yeah. That's kind of where they fall short. <laughs> now towards the bottom of the league in shooting percentage, almost dead last in shooting percentage, almost dead last in goals mm-hmm. for not really putting yeah. it all together. It's a bummer because I drafted Elias mm-hmm. Lindholm, my squad, because he had a solid year last year, 82 points, 42 and 40, but it's kind of similar to when we were talking about the Rangers. Like, if your top dudes are in the minus, your team's not not doing well, and that's what's happening for them. Kadri minus seven, Lindholm minus four, and like you said, they're just not getting what they need. They're not putting the puck in the net, and Markstrom has not been good at all. No. And he was he was projected to be one of the top uh, net miners of the year, and he just has been terrible. Um, I mean, there's a lot that could happen.
0: There is a there's lot.
2: Up here, Seattle, like yeah, the Kings. And, and the Kraken I feel like are kinda on similar par but the the Kings, you know, they they haven't gotten everything yet. They still haven't kind of gotten it going. Kevin Fiala coming over mm-hmm. uh, from Minnesota, like he has not been great so far. No. Minus four. He's still got twenty two points, but as far as like how well he's meshed with the team he has not as much. But they're getting production out of guys mm-hmm. like Trevor Moore coming up and, and getting it done. But I don't know. I, if the Kraken, I don't care if they win the division. I don't care how they make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, I win money. So that, That's, that's all that
0: matters. Uh, just want to kind of bookend this as well. Um, I think Edmonton and Colorado will make their move. I feel pretty good about that. We'll see who holds on. That's the best part of this part of the year. Like You get the teams that rise to the top, but you got to stay there because it's only a quarter of the way through.
2: The thing with Edmonton, too, like we obviously give all the praise to McDavid and Drive company, yeah. We were talking about them getting a goalie in Jack Campbell and finally being like, Okay, mm-hmm. you know, they mm-hmm. they got somebody but Stuart Skinner, man, he has been so awesome for them coming in and filling in, backing up backing up Campbell. Uh he mm-hmm. sometimes he gets a back to back start every now yeah. and then, uh when he really shows out, <laughs> but he hasn't played well in the second start of those back to backs pretty much ever. They're they're, you know, getting everything they need all all around. And that's even without Evander Kane, who's going to be out for a little while.
0: Yeah. I was just going to also add, you mentioned Vesna Ottinger. Uh, I would, if I was a betting man, not saying that I am, I think Sorokin for the Islanders is a very solid choice given how they play. His goals against is near the top of the league. I think he's somebody that I could see winning it because they're, they're playing a style that works. And I think they're, gonna rely on him a lot down the stretch so i know i'm, I'm preaching I mean, I'm, I'm making your skin crawl because we're talking about all these you know new york area teams doing well and the rangers are unfortunately lacking at this moment
2: well i mean i'm just gonna chalk it up to thinking that the rangers will hit their stride at some point once they figure out what's going on
0: okay hey always a pleasure joe cruselli coming on this show talking football and hockey we will see where each league takes us but uh, you're always welcome as you know on the money mitch effect thanks for coming on the show and talking some sports
2: yeah man always
0: that's it for this episode of the money mitch effect as always thanks to both guests thanks to joe crisali and brendan smith for taking time out of their day to talk sports and a reminder that this podcast the money mitch effect is on all your podcast platforms apple soundcloud google I think we're on Spotify, too, kind of kind of making an impact there as well. But thank you to everybody out there for listening. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page to stay up with exclusive content. And follow me on Twitter at moneymitchm Mitch M21. We'll be back next week, midweek episode. We're going to be recapping Conference Championship Week, talking about the playoff, the final field, what the matchups look like as we get into bowl season. And we're going to be talking NFL and hockey as well. For both guests on this week's show, Brendan Smith and Joe Crisale. my name is Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening and keep enjoying sports.